Happy Thursday, Red Sox fans. Thank you so much for tuning in to Locked On Red Sox podcast and for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen every single day. Lauren and I are going to be talking about the Rule 5 minor league draft as well as touching on some potential options on how Bloom could potentially upgrade the bullpen. So let's tune in. Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I hope everybody is having an amazing Thursday. And it was kind of interesting because I don't know about you, Lauren, but I completely forgot that the Rule 5 minor league draft even really occurred with this lockout going on. Yeah, I did too. It's kind of one of those things where baseball, it's not in the back of my mind, but I'm not searching for news every day like I do in a, in a regular, normal, non-lockout offseason. But it's funny because um, somebody asked me recently, when the rule five draft was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I said, December, December 8th, December 9th, and just look, going through the whole day. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's today. That <laughs> that's today. So thankfully it's, it gave, gave me something to do at work. And now it gives us a little bit of current news to talk about with the Red Sox. Exactly. And, and it was interesting, sort of, especially looking back on what the Red Sox did last season. Uh, one of their major pickups, Caleb Ort, was a huge success in the AAA uh, system yes, or last year. excuse me. And uh, it was kind of interesting thinking about what the Red Sox would potentially do for this Rule 5 draft. One of our listeners, uh, Nathan Middleton, was a little bit confused as I was on when this was happening and that it was still happening during the lockout. But for people who don't know, the Rule 5 uh, Major League Draft is going to be happening after um, the lockout. But for these, these are players that were not on the 40-man roster. And so the Red Sox drafted 27-year-old Austin Lambright in the Meyer League Rule 5 Draft as their first pick. And uh, he appeared in 33 games with an ERA of 285, and he hasn't played higher than higher A. So what do you think about that pick, Lauren? Yeah, I mean, I I like it. Um, I think that the the Red Sox have had, you know, in the last year or two, decent success in this Rule 5 draft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I watched a few highlights of him, just read a few scouting reports, and it all seems positive. I like that this is going to provide some depth in the in the minors. I feel that the, the minor league teams don't have a ton of depth right now. So it's certainly it's good. He's 27, so he's he's still young-ish for an athlete. I hate calling a 27-year-old young-ish, but um, <laughs> you know, I think at the end of the day, I think that the Red Sox, like they've done before, they took the best available player when it was their turn to to draft. I completely agree, and I, I forgot to mention he last time he pitched was 2019. So I find yes. it kind of interesting that he. Uh, that he did get drafted as high as he did over some of the uh, over some of the other players that did get drafted. But as you mentioned, uh, Heim Bloom is a guy who loves young pitchers. He's a guy who we've, we've seen year in year out uh, with the Rays, especially when Bloom was over there. They would just churn out all these pitchers out of nowhere and especially as Red Sox fans would be like, where are these guys coming from? And, you know, he's trying to help the Red Sox um, 
get back to that homegrown type of pitcher talent when, uh, you know, John Lester, Clay Buckles would come up through the system. And who knows, maybe we could potentially see this guy break out in either double A or triple A and potentially see him later down the line in 2022. Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, the Red Sox, you know, a lot of people will look at Garrett Whitlock as their the last rule five. And he also he never pitched above double A. So maybe they're mm -hmm. kind of hoping it's going to be the same sort of success. I mean, we've mentioned that this was the minor league portion of the rule five draft. So he'll probably start the year in triple A or double A. Mm -hmm. But I'm really excited to see him um, being able to go to Woo Sox games. I'm assuming he goes to triple A. Um, and the, the Woo Sox are so accessible to me and they're so they're it's just easy to get to. And I went to several games last year to check out some of these prospects. Hopefully I'll be able to see him in 2022, but I'm really intrigued by him. Like you said, he hasn't pitched since 2019 um, because the 2020 season was canceled. And then in 2021, he was injured. So hopefully that it's nothing super serious. It's nothing that will hinder his, his rehab or hinder his, um, his progress in in the his major league baseball career or minor league baseball career and he'll be a solid pickup for the red sox and who knows we could see him potentially be attached to a trade down the line you know heim always finds a way to get these valuable guys out of nowhere and you know when once we hear him down the line we're like oh yeah he, he either got him off of waivers or he got him in a rule five draft that we completely forgot about but in the Red Sox second selection, they stole another guy from the New York Yankees. And as we mentioned, Garrett Whitlock was a huge success out of the Rule 5 draft for the Red Sox and came over from the Yankees, as well as Caleb Ort was a guy who came over from the Yankees last season. But the Red Sox made their second selection with Brian Keller, who is another starting pitcher uh, who pitched last year in AAA. And interestingly enough, he appeared in 26 games. 11 of them he started with a 2.77 ERA and held opponents to an average of 2.14. So I was very impressed when I saw that they made this pick. Yeah, I like this pick a lot. And I think that you know, 11 of his 26 starts or 11 of his 26 appearances were starts. So he does have that versatility to maybe come out of the bullpen when needed, maybe mm -hmm. go long relief, or maybe be able to do a spot start here and there when when needed, whether it's due to injury or just maybe he's pitching really well. So I really like this pick. I think that, again, I watched some highlights when he was officially drafted, and I liked what I saw. I think he's got some good stuff, and I'm excited to see what he can bring to the Red Sox organization. I think the Red Sox, we've talked about this already, how much they need depth in their bullpen and their starting rotation. Mm -hmm. And even though he may not start the season with the Red Sox, he has a good chance of maybe making a case for himself to be called one of the first call-ups. I completely agree. And, and who knows, obviously, how this rotation and bullpen really looks at the start of the season. But as we know, anything can really happen in 162 games. As we've seen for years and years with the Red Sox, pitchers like fall like flies. It's kind of crazy, whether it's with injuries or now with COVID-19 uh, being a factor. But we could potentially see Keller come up through the Red Sox uh, from AAA as potentially a long reliever, as we've said, he is uh, experienced starting. And so he could also be a mid reliever as well. But I think I was very intrigued by this pick. And I, I feel like down the line, this is going to be something that Red Sox Twitter brings up a lot as uh, a, a regret uh, player that Brian Cashman led away. Yeah, it's I, I mean, I'm 
the, 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 the hope is that it turns into a Garrett Whitlock type of thing, especially with Garrett Whitlock also coming over from the Yankees. It would just be a lot of fun for Red Sox fans to, to kind of poke at Yankees fans and be like, wow, you guys let go of two very valuable pitchers that have helped the Red Sox. And I mean, Chris Sale even said it about Garrett Whitlock. He was like, there's 40 guys better than this guy. I don't think so. So hopefully they're saying the same thing about Keller. Um, but it's always fun to, and this is kind of stuff that kind of ignites that rivalry and keeps it going because it's just more fuel that the Red Sox fans can be like, we got this guy from a, in the rule five draft from the Yankees. And in turn, if he doesn't pan out to be as good as we're hoping, Yankees fans can be like, yeah, you got him for nothing. You took him <laughs> off our hands. Good for you. Thank you. Exactly. And I, I find it kind of interesting as well that they did go the pitching route for both of their picks in the minor league rule five draft. And it makes me sort of wonder if they could potentially do the same thing for the major league rule five draft, or if they could try to go towards a position player. But um, as we've seen with a lot of these rule five acquisitions, it's not like they make a huge difference right out of the gate, but um, it is kind of interesting um, trying to guess what Bloom is really thinking, especially going into um, the after the lockout sort of portion of the offseason when that draft ultimately does happen. One thing I've learned in Bloom's short tenure here in Boston is that you may think you know what he's up to or you think you maybe know what he's going to got up his sleeve. You just don't. You don't. Never. He is. He's a very smart man. We know this. And even with the trade deadline, I mean, I was convinced they were going to bring in not Kyle Schwarber and he ended up being an incredible, incredible pickup. I completely agree. And uh, something that listeners are going to hear me say a time and time again is in Heim, we trust. And as you mentioned, he's a very smart guy. He's a guy who knows what he's doing. He, he knows how to build uh, a winning franchise as he did over with the Rays as the assistant general manager. And it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, how he um, researches all these guys coming up, um, or leading up to the major league rule five draft because they essentially have, you know, potentially two or three months who knows when this lockout is really going to happen, but it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. And uh, we have a very special guest coming on in tomorrow's show. I'm not going to, I'm not going to name any names, but he's going to give us our, his thoughts on these rule five acquisitions. Just a little bit of a hint. He's the uh, Red Sox beat writer for MLB.com. So you, you can figure that out for yourself, but definitely make sure to tune in uh, to tomorrow's episode to get his thoughts on these Rule 5 draft acquisitions. But I want to talk to you guys about stance, and I want to talk about how your recently received stance items and how colorful slash comfortable everything is. The apparel is very well made, super soft, entirely unique. It's a lot of fun to wear, and you're looking forward to purchasing more for yourself and others. Stance gives you a sense of confidence simply by feeling good. Stance was founded in 2009, and the apparel represents a radical reinvention of socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collabor collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. And one of my favorite designs from Stance is they have 
um, some collaborations with The Office, Disney, Marvel. They also have some with Major League Baseball and NBA. So definitely go out and check out those. They're super comfortable and they're always, their socks and underwear are some of the apparel that I love to wear the most. So Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. That those who feel good do good. Go see for yourself. Register for our account at stance.com and get 15% off your first order. Use promo code locked on at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less extraordinary with stance. And then also, I want to talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues, the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus from football, basketball, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. So I greatly appreciate everybody making Locked On Red Sox podcast your first listen every single day. And Lauren and I want to touch on a subject that was pretty much the Achilles heel of this 2021 Red Sox team, which was their bullpen. And I want to hear your thoughts, Lauren. What was your assessment of this Red Sox bullpen throughout 2021? Because for me, it seemed like they blew so many games. Yeah, it was so weird because in the beginning of the season, it was working for the Red Sox. They The bullpen was bailing them out. They were keeping them in games. And then in the second half, it was really just like, Matt Barnes and, and and the rest of the crew went downhill after the All-Star game, after the trade deadline. And it wasn't really like, the, it was a hard fall. There was no warning signs. All of a sudden, Matt Barnes couldn't locate his pitches. Ryan Brazier, you know, he went through a lot between injury and family losses. And he just didn't look right for a little while. Um, they were very, very emotionally like they put me on an emotional roller coaster throughout the entire season because like I said they were so good in the first half and I was like oh okay like they're proving everyone wrong this is going to be okay second half of the season I'm like no 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 let's let's go back to the first half of the season and pitch that way um they very much needed help regardless of how good they were pitching in the in the first half but when you bring in people like Hansel Robles and Austin Davis they don't make differences. They, in in turn, they essentially made the bullpen worse. Uh, Hanzo Robles had a couple of good outings, but nine times out of 10, the opponents are hitting bombs off of them and he's pointing like it's a, like it's a pop-up and it's like, no, Oh, Oh Jesus. No, like this is not going to be good. But you know, overall, I think that I was more pleasantly surprised than not, but at the end of the day, and I I preach this all the time, pitching wins you games. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's all it takes is, the pitcher giving up a walk-off home run, giving up a, a a walk or a wild pitch when it's just not you, – you can't give that up. Like when you're in a reliever role, nine times out of ten, you're coming in to help preserve that lead. And toward the end of the season, we didn't see that. 
I completely agree. And especially like you mentioned, pitching wins championships. And I feel like especially in the MLB playoffs, the bullpen is the number one thing that is going to help you get far. And yes. surprisingly, it, it wasn't actually as bad as I expected it to be uh, during the 2021 playoffs. But as you mentioned, they blew so many games, especially in the second half. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget the 2021 August uh, for the Red Sox. It was it was pretty awful to be a fan. And every single game, uh, you, it didn't matter if the Red Sox were up four to five runs. You had in the back of your mind, it, like if it's the fourth or fifth inning, it's too early. And one game that always comes to mind that I will never forget, it was the Rays and the Red Sox game where it essentially, I think it started at like one o'clock and ultimately ended at like seven or yes. eight. And yes. uh, that was the game where Nelson Cruz hit the inside the park grand slam because of Alex Verdugo's error in center field. But I remember that's when the bullpen absolutely blew up and was just the definition, in my opinion, of the Red Sox 2021 bullpen. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great representation of them. And, you know, it's... They want to owners and executives, they want to make the game quicker. And here you are playing a six and a half hour game <laughs> in the regular season. And these games certainly matter. But it's, you know, like you said, the Red Sox could be up four or five runs. And you're like, this lead is not safe, which was a far cry from the beginning of the season when they, they could be down four nothing. You'd be like, plenty of time. They're going to come back in the seventh or eighth like they always do. Right. And it was just a very weird but fun season, but there was still so many glaring problems with this team and the bullpen was one of them. The bullpen has been one of them for a while now. I completely agree. And it, it's something where it was, you know, it was nice to see, especially with how bad, um, you know, guys like Josh Taylor started off the season, um, how he was able to bounce back, have that stretch of, I think it was 18 scoreless innings. But as you mentioned, especially with how Matt Barnes, you know, started off the season, got an all-star selection, and then really just fell off and turned into a, a pitcher that I never really wanted to see in because you felt like he was going to blow the game anytime he came in. And obviously it was unfortunate that the Red Sox handed him an extension and then, and then he started to go downhill. Right. But, right. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about a little bit of potential options where they could upgrade this off season, even though it is the lockout we've seen guys like Kendall Graveman go, um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Heimblum tries to upgrade this bullpen. A few options are a guy like our old friend Joe Kelly, who had a 2.86 ERA, as well as Mika Givens or Mikey Givens, excuse me, uh, who had a 3.36 ERA. Andrew Chafin, who had a 1.84 ERA. Um, potentially also Archie Bradley, who had a 3.71 ERA. Somebody who I found interesting uh, that one of our listeners, Steve Signor. Uh, mentioned was Carlos, Carlos Martinez. He's a guy who the Cardinals have brought back and forth between the bullpen as well as the starting rotation. And it really seems like it's really hurt his production. Yeah, there was a lot of really interesting answers from the, the Twitter poll and kind of interesting to see what listeners came up with. I think Joe Kelly was probably the most obvious um, again, much like we talked about yesterday. I like the familiarity that he has with the, with the with the system here but at the same time do do Red Sox fans really trust Joe Kelly to hold on to a lead do they trust him to um come into these big moments because Red Sox fans know Joe Kelly they he can either be spot on or he can cost you a game right. but the Carlos Martinez one is really really interesting because like you said the 
the, his production kind of suffered when you're going between the bullpen, a starter, this and that. We've seen this before with Daniel Bard. I feel like every time a pitcher wants to, or a pitch, they try to put a pitcher in the bullpen who's a starter or vice versa, my mind goes right to Daniel Bard. And thankfully, he's had a very su a nice, successful story at the end of yeah. the day. Not everyone is like that. Not everyone can bounce back and come out of retirement and be successful again. But I get really nervous with that because you want somebody to have a steady role in this bullpen or in this rotation. If the Red Sox were to go sign him with a defined role, I'd be more open to it. But if they're like, oh, we're going to try him in the bullpen, but maybe he can start if he proves himself out of the bullpen. Like, no, I want defined roles <laughs> for our pitchers going into 2022. That should be the resolution for New Year's resolution for the Red Sox. I completely agree. And when you look back at his like 2022, or excuse me, uh, 2019 stats, he uh, he had a 317 ERA and then 2020, a 990 ERA over five games. And then this past season, over 16 games starting a 623 ERA. And you actually just made me get a little bit of a flashback um, from when Daniel Bard uh, was first put in as a starter. And then uh I'll never forget. He like threw and like hit a guy and was just so inaccurate. And I remember um, Franklin Morales had to come in and, and sort of just save the game. But yep. it, it's something where there's two guys on the Red Sox right now where I really hope that they don't do the same thing with these two guys. And it's Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck. You know, we, we saw Houck go back and forth from the bullpen as well as the rotation. And it makes sense with him because he's still young. But with Whitlock as a guy, as you mentioned, who never really pitched higher than double A before last season. And yes, he did have under a two ERA for the entire season last year and should have, in my opinion, been a higher candidate in rookie of the year voting. Um, but how do you think the Red Sox are going to use those two guys in 2022? Those two certainly probably have some of the biggest question marks surrounding them because we have seen flashes of Tanner Houck's potential. He's been compared to Chris Sale. He's called a right-handed Chris Sale. We've heard that comparison essentially since he's been brought into this Red Sox system. Mm -hmm. So I'm really intrigued by that. The thing I love about Tanner Houck is that he has such a positive attitude about his future with, with the Red Sox and, and MLB and whether he's going to be a starter or a reliever. He wants to be a starter, and he said that, you know, going if he chose to go into the bullpen himself, that's kind of him taking the easy way out. And I think that he's got the drive. He just really needs to develop that third pitch, figure out a third time around the rotation. Easier said than done, of course. But I would love to see him at least get a shot at the maybe the five spot in the rotation. Of course, it really depends on what the Red Sox really plan to do with Michael Waka, if and when James Paxton pitches in 2022. But Garrett Whitlock also is another very interesting uh, candidate to be a starter in 2022 because he was brought up as a starter. Um, he was developed as a starter, but he was so good out of the bullpen where I might be interested to see what he can do in the closing role. Now, I don't, you just signed Matt Barnes to this extension to be your closer. He couldn't really keep up the, the production for the entire season. He was left off postseason rosters, got put on postseason rosters because of injury, and still couldn't compete. He could not get it together. Whether it was mental, physical, I don't know. I hope he can figure that out. But if he could be like a solid setup man for Garrett Whitlock to close the games, and Garrett Whitlock can mirror what he did last year or improve on that, 
you might have some some dominant pitchers in this bullpen just with Garrett Whitlock. But Tanner Houck, I want to see him as a starter. I want so badly to see him come into what is expected of him. And I think that he'll be able to do it. He sounds like he wants to put in this work and he's really working toward it to improve his craft. And at the end of the day, if he wants to be a starter, he seems like a bulldog, that there's not going to be anything that stands in his way. So I'd love to see Tanner Houck in the rotation, the starting rotation. And I'd love to see Garrett Whitlock as the closer. Yeah, I I think it'll be interesting to see how they really use Houck. I, I think he 1,000% deserves um, – you know, to be that fifth starter and not have, uh, you know, they were bringing them back and forth from AAA to major leagues. And I, I get it. It's just, I, I hate, I hated seeing that week in and week out. Yeah. Um, it made me scared that it was going to kind of screw with his mental. But uh, the thing with Whitlock in the closer, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they really do maneuver his situation. I'll never forget when he, the one time he did close the game, I can't remember. It was in the playoffs. I can't remember if it was in the ALDS or in the ALCS, but I remember he let up a walk-off home run to ultimately lose the game. But I mean, that's obviously not defining exactly what he can do in the right. closer role. Um, but it will be interesting to see um, really how they uh, figure out how they're going to use Whitlock. Uh, but I want to end today's episode uh, on a positive note, as we always do on Locked on Red Sox, and uh, as well as talk about what we're going to be talking about in next episode with MLB or excuse me, Red Sox beat writer from MLB.com. And like I said, you can figure that out yourself. Um, we're going to be talking about his reactions of the Rule 5 minor league drafts, as well as um, his thoughts on whether uh, Roger Clemens and David Ortiz deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. But I greatly appreciate everybody making Locked on Red Sox your first listen every single day. And I want to end the episode sort of talking about uh, your legacy. And, you know, obviously this can be a deep subject at, at, at times, but um, really at the end of the day, everybody has a journey in this life. At, at the end of your life, what is your legacy going to be? And, you know, it's deep, but it's the reality. And if you don't really think about it, then um, in my opinion, you're really not living this life to the fullest or um, you're setting yourself to potentially regret um, not leaving a legacy that you would want. And so um, I think it's always important for us to think about like, how do we want to be remembered? I, th I think that's really important. Yeah, 100%. And I think about this often as well, because when I was 17, one of my best friends passed away unexpectedly. And he was somebody who constantly was just a very happy, positive person. He lived his life. And for only being 17, you know, that's when you're trying to figure out your life. We were going into our senior year, senior year of high school. And it was just some like somebody that I really admired for the short time that I was friends with him and the three or four years that we got to know each other. And, you know, there's times today um, that was almost 15 years ago that I still talk about him. And it's still like, I love that I'm still able to kind of talk about him as if he's still here and kind mm -hmm. of, you know, that's the, and only 17, like you said, the legacy that kind of, he left behind just a very happy, goofy kid who loved to live his life and was just kind of, never let really anything bother him. And if he, if something was bothering him, you'd never know. And I think that's kind of how I want to, how I want to live. I don't, if I'm in a bad mood, I don't want it to show. I don't want to take something out on someone else because then that becomes kind of who you are. People remember, you know, if you're a negative person um, and it's like, I want to be remembered as somebody who is always trying to help somebody or is always 
there for somebody if they need it um, and just kind of leave behind something more positive than negative. Because unfortunately in this, I've had, I graduated high school in 2008 and there's been about 10 or 12 people who have since passed away. And some people had more negative thoughts about like, oh, this person did that. Not that we were speaking ill of the dead or anything, but it was just kind of, wow, that's how they're remembered at so mm -hmm. young where other right. people, it was just like constant those, you know, the cliche of they were a good person. They were this, they were that, but it was just kind of night and day how, how people saw other people. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to think about that. And, um, I had a similar situation, uh, most recently I was, I was at one of my friends funerals and it made me think like, what are people going to think about uh, during mine? And, um, like I mentioned, it's deep as the reality. It's something that's going, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And, uh, especially if, if you're, feeling a type of way where you know you're not in the best mind state or um you're not feeling great think about that support system that you have think about the people that you can go to to talk about it that's what friends are for and um if you're not able to have those people around you look try and look and and you know if you have those friends around you who you can't talk to um try and see if you can because it's always good to have that support system and it's always good to be able to have somebody to um you know help you sort of recontextualize your thoughts because it's so easy to overthink with these brains it is and like lean on your support system they are there for you for a reason i read a quote i don't know a couple months ago maybe even closer to a year ago that was like i would rather hear about what's bothering you at 3 a.m then hear your eulogy at your mm -hmm. funeral. Yeah. And it's it's so true. Like you have, especially like mental health is, it needs to be discussed constantly to, mm -hmm. to end the stigma and to know that it's, that it's okay to not be okay, mm -hmm. but yep. to re rely on your friends. They're your friends for a reason. And I've always tried to find, you know, something positive. If I'm having a down day for whatever reason, if I can find one good thing, even if it's super small, but like, oh, the sun is shining and it rained yesterday. Um, like, oh, my dog decided to be really good today and listen to everything. You know, right. something super, super small can really try to change your mindset. It's so much easier said than done. And I 100% mm -hmm. understand that. But when you find what works for you, you start finding that it's like, okay, I can actually do this. Yeah, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, being able to think about those positive things at the end of the day and and really think about what you're grateful for is huge. Gratitude is a huge thing that I try and practice is even if it's the most simplistic things like, like you woke up today, like that's it's it's can be so simplistic like that. But I hope you guys have enjoyed us ending these episodes on these positive notes and, you know, uh, with 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 these different types of sayings and with these different types of subjects, they're able to help you think a little bit deeper. And if you have somebody around you who might be struggling, it, it helps you be able to help them better. Um, but make sure um, that you subscribe to Locked On Red Sox so you never miss an episode Monday through Friday, as well as follow us on Twitter, LO underscore Red Sox. It's Every single episode, we're going to try and interact with you guys before the episode uh, and try and get your comments and, you know, also um, use your opinions in each episode. And uh, also let us know what you want us to talk about, even though we are in a lockout and even though we're in a lockout, Lauren and I are still going to try and find things to talk about. We, we want to talk about things that you guys want to learn or that you guys want um, 
us to talk about um, because especially we don't know how long this lockout is really going to go. So um, who, know, who knows uh, how many more uh, topics we're, we're going to have to come up with. Um, but we got a lot of exciting guests coming next week. Um, make sure you follow me on Twitter. It's at Jake Iggy uh, as well as Lauren. And it's la 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 four laws Lauren with four R's got that right i did my best and then uh also make sure that you make your second listen locked on bets your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs locked on bets hosted by your boy q with expert analysis and insight from lee sterling it's free and available on all platforms and like i said make sure you subscribe on whatever audio platform that you're listening to or also if you want to see the video version we post one of those every single episode over on youtube as always, really appreciate all the support and uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace.